Welcome in to Pro Football Ireland. It's Wednesday, you know what that means. It's Skehal on NFL. I'm your host, Mark Hogan, filling in for Michael. He's on the boy. Hope he's enjoying his holiday. Some life, James. You got any holidays booked? Uh, I think I, 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 I'm i on the tablet here on the Wi-Fi. I uh, was here for the Zoom link and I opened up and I just saw... Uh, my wife must be on the tablet looking at holiday destinations for January. <laughs> so oh, I, stop. I'd say, uh, the prices were a bit heavy too. I'd say, I'd say we'll be going somewhere in January. Hey, coming up this week though with the uh, midterm, it's like I wish I was back in school. Obviously you have the kids now, but uh, it's like half the office is empty because people take it off this time of year. I wish I had that luxury. Well, you you say luxury, but I, I tell you, it's it's tough when the kids are home. <laughs> yeah, right, it's right. very, very tough. Obviously, James Gale, my co-host, um, we're coming a day later. We kind of did it on purpose because with the trade deadline. But James, the news this morning waking up, I woke up this morning at five o'clock and it was six minutes earlier. Adam Chester tweeted the news saying that a one time Patriot offensive coordinator, most recently now with the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh McDaniels has been fired. What do you make of the news? God, I... I, I have to, I have to say I did see it coming, but I didn't see it coming until the end of the year. I thought I thought he'd see out his second full year. That's his second job now, I believe, where he hasn't got the full two seasons. Um, after he stint with, with the Broncos, obviously, it's like he's head coaching stock. Um, I I would have thought it, w- it was low, as as uh, especially what he did with the Colts and and pulling on the final the final hour there, but now it's taken off and beaten. It's hard to see him getting into a position again beyond an offensive coordinator or back to a college coach. Um. It's. I'm not surprised. I'm not. I was. I was surprised to see the GM. The GM go as well. Um. But like, look, the Raiders. They're. They're a team that has a history of quick decisions. You know. So what they've gone through, let's say, with even with John Gruden resigning with his debacle a couple of years ago. Um. I don't think Mark Davis would, would bat an eyelid at, at making a change if he thought it was right. Um. But just I'm disappointed because obviously he's, he's the he's the Patriots connection. I think you'll probably see him back now in the Patriots club <laughs> doing something. Pretty soon, because Belichick has a history of that too. But I'm not surprised, man. Surprised. Yeah, do you know what? The first thing I'm going to do when I go off this is figure out how much the Raiders are paying in dead money to coaches, because obviously it's something astronomical now. Because there was what four yeah. years left on McDaniel's deal. There must be another six years left yeah. on John Gruden's deal. But uh, you mentioned that. Would you? I, I think you're dead right in what you're saying. I don't know how he ever becomes a head coach again. And what's so surprising to me is something that I think we touched on about three weeks ago, that he was groomed to be a head coach when he showed loyalty to Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick said to him, I'll make you into proper head coaching material. And now it's like those that whole thing about like you can't go to New England and become a head coach. It definitely is a factor now. Like this was the guy that should have made it. It is, like you said, his second stint that hasn't worked out. You can't mm-hmm. see him get another uh, crack of the apple. But would you want to see him back in New England? There's no space for him, but the succession plan was always supposed to be that he replaces Bill Belichick. Maybe he knows, like, you know, the Patriot way. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a really good question, and it's a hard question to answer. Do I want him back in New England? Um, obviously, as an offensive coordinator, like when he had Tom Brady, his stock remained very high, you know, because, because of obvious reasons. They, they won all around him. Um, his head coaching, head coaching stock is very, very low. I don't think Robert Kraft would would actually you know consider taking a head coach because he, the proof is in the pudding lads like he he hasn't done it that's the thing you see Mark so I think that whenever Bill Belichick Bill Belichick decides to retire and I think it could be soonish um like I'd say Robert Kraft will 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 think of his head because it's it's his team it's his money <laughs> you know what I mean he likes having the team high flying I can tell you for for certainty it's it's itching them the wrong way now that that uh, the team are struggling where they are 
But I can't see him back in New England in a head coaching role. Um, I can't see him in a head coaching role for a while. But I, look, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. But I, I just can't, o- I, I, I can't see it at the moment. The, the obvious thing to me was, well, immediately, knee-jerk reaction was, if Bill Belichick goes and Bill O'Brien steps up as the head coach, then surely off, offensive coordinator then is Josh McDaniels. And it's... Welcome. You know, all's well that, you know, got a bit topsy-turvy, but all's well that ends well. It, like, would, it, would you want him back in the building at all? Or are you kind of like, no, he needs to go off and figure out different whatever it is? Yeah. I, I think head coaches, they live and die by their decisions. You know, and I look at the decision he had last year with Jerry Kerr. I think he benched him for the last two or three games. And then they went with Jimmy G. Like, it just goes to show that Devontae Adams's production has gone it's fallen off. I think he led the league last year in touchdowns. This year, he has got five games without. And so I'm saying to you, his, deci- his decisions that they have set the Raiders on the course run at the minute. I don't know do I want him back in the Patriots. And this, I, I sound very spoiled when I say that, as if we have, we're spoiled for choice. If Bill O'Brien steps up, which I do think is logical, I think it's, it's a really good point. Bill O'Brien has notoriously got an offensive mind, as we as we know. I I, I don't see Josh Reynolds coming in there. Do you know what I mean? I, I could see someone someone younger. Um, but I, I hope Belichick stays in the role for, for, for another year or two. I, I, I suppose everyone has, has had their testing periods, and this is certainly one for him. Um, and I think this year's... I thought they'd trade. I did think they'd trade, like, personally speaking, I thought they'd trade Uche or Duggar, even though they're two of our best defensive players. But I thought we'd get some value in back from them, so we didn't, so I'm surprised. Um, so that's why this year's draft is going to be key. Like, whatever happens in this year's draft... Sorry, next year's draft, you know what I mean? Um, is going to be crucial for Bill Belichick because how is he going to build the team? Because right now the team is not built like, and that was so obvious on on Sunday when you watched the Dolphins wide receivers versus our wide receivers, and it was just, it was just a huge golden class. Yeah, the Josh Uche trade, I know, or supposedly what happened is the Patriots wanted a fourth and they're only being offered a fifth, so they left it on the table. I think they might as well keep him there because, I mean, we're not going to go too deep into trades, but one of the big ones, I know what your reaction to Chase Young being given away for a fourth round, what was it, a compensatory pick, uh, yeah. or was it a third round and Montez Sweat, something similar to the Bears. I think they're really interesting because Chase Young was essentially for free to a team so that says maybe he has personality concerns obviously he's a, a injury worries now since that mm-hmm. massive year what four years ago his rookie campaign was savage but um montez sweat going to the bears is kind of like well then at that point any team is should have been in play to get montez sweat because he's a young player with a massive upside that you just want to control his future so it's like you know the patriots could have gone after someone like him just to mm-hmm. have him in the building when his co- contract is due next year yeah, I, I, I was very surprised. I thought like, the commanders were, I suppose, they were trying to build something. You, you know what I mean? They're, they, they're, like, they were ex- extremely competitive on Sunday evening against the Eagles. I thought they were very, very good. Um, Sam Howell seems to be a, a, a good find, in fairness to him. So when you trade away two of your, your sorry, your two best uh, <laughs> defensive linemen, it's very, very surprising. And what was more surprising was, and it's a really good point you raised about <clears throat> Chase Young, maybe on a, on a personality side of things, is he went for less than Montez Sweat, which... Doesn't make sense to me. If you were to if you were to look at their, I suppose the production, the, the production on the field of play, you would say Chase uh, uh, that Chase is better than Switch straight up. So it's like why did they let him go? Now injury worries, that's obviously a concern. But when he's healthy, he's an absolute demon. Like he's a demon, and so he's, he's going to a team now that is obviously a Super Bowl contender. But Manchester Switch, I think they're they're both coming off rookie contracts this year, so they'll be be paid an extra, won't it? So like 
Sweat was going to hit, they were going to hit free agents anyway, I'd imagine. You know what I mean? Or, or, or SP franchise tag. So the, the Sweat one, I think, is there's, there was more value in the Chase one than there is in the Sweat one. So I think both teams <clears throat> did well to get them. But Commanders, it's just, I'm not sure what their angle is, Mark. Do you know what I mean? Like, why, why would they get rid of two of their best defensive players? Because they have loads of cap space. So it's not as if they're caught on the cap. But I, I, I'd say they wanted to get one goal, two goal. It just makes no sense to me. What do you think? It, it, you know, it is really strange because, like, they it, it was set up last week that you have to let one go. I don't know why you had to let one go. Like, if you had them at the same time, you had them at the same time. They had to get paid. Like, what does it make a difference if you have to pay them in the same year? Like you're saying, you have massive cap space. What I don't make, what I can't wrap my head around is we we talked about that last year going into the free agency about the New York Giants that you can't keep both Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. I know running back or running back pay isn't quite the same, so they're able to navigate it. But the Giants were able to keep their two star players. I think it's a media-driven narrative that you can't keep two star players in the same free agent market. Yeah. They obviously, they know something's up, but I'm, I'm stunned that they didn't keep one of them. Like when you look back, that Washington defensive line was underachieving, you could say, for the last five years. Like obviously the names like Ryan Kerrigan are, and that are gone. Um Jonathan, I can't think of his name now, the defensive lineman also on the defense, obviously the defensive tackle, I should say, on the defensive line. Um, I get his name in a second, but it's, they had a ferocious defensive line and that was obviously the heart and soul of the defense. But I suppose my takeaway from it is I'm glad that a team, even with their whatever 500 record, can acknowledge okay we're not at the races it's time for a rebuild the reason why they didn't want to sign those players is there's no point signing chase young and montez sweat to four-year contracts and give up a ton of money when we're not genuinely going to be competitive we see that the eagles have at least a two-year window where they're genuine super goal contenders we have the dallas cowboys in our division they're obviously looking to the future and saying there's a sweet spot there in three or four years when other contracts come true come due um within the division and that's when we'll strike. So I think for me, whatever about the here and now of it all, at least someone can have some self-awareness. And mm-hmm. it does set up for if they change general manager, and at least it looks like Ron Rivera will be gone now next year, that the general manager, for whatever it's worth, those you know mid-round picks, they're not worth a whole lot. But they are obviously stockpiling them. There's a new owner. You can say whatever you want about the new owner. It could be meddling going on here. I was like, I wonder, is it that they're like, ah, we're going to be a, a touch off getting a quarterback now next year in the draft, one of those top two. Are they trying to put a bit of draft capital together? Maybe. I don't know if thirds and fourth round picks are going to get anything done in terms of that quarterback upper echelon, but they'll be within, they'll be within striking distance, you'd imagine now towards the end of the year. Um, I, I say that they'll probably move on for quarterback. I do. I just think that when they move on from Ron Rivera, which seems likely at this point, that whatever Sam Howell shows won't be enough because the new guy will want his quarterback. But what do you think of Sam Howell? Is his best performance, you could say, um, against the Eagles over the weekend? Yeah, I know the Eagles secondary has, has had their injury issues as well. And, <clears throat> and obviously, which uh, which, which trades last year, but I, I thought he was very, very, very... Cute, very steady, especially when you know. You, I watch games, Mark, right? And I look at the commanders and, the, and look at the Eagles and say, There's no reason the commanders should beat the Eagles here, you know. So it's going to turn at some point. But the commanders, like, they were very strong. And his last touchdown drive, like, was, was very, I have to say, was very impressive against the stout uh, defensive line of the Eagles. 
His his pocket presence is good. Uh, he's capable of moving out. He's capable of going left and right and running on, uh, sort of on the run. He seems to have like good upside. Now I would put him in the same bracket as other younger quarterbacks. Like I think I do think Brock Purdy is, is better. Or, so when I look at the trades, just to go back to the trades for a moment. When I look at the reason behind the trades, I, I I said I thought the same thing as you. I said they're p- pooling draft picks together because what you get in the second third round to say is not going to be that well. In most likely terms, it won't be the absolute star, right? So I think they're pulling draft picks together for something big to to, to, to get flashed in in a in next year's draft. But again, that remains to be seen. They're, for now, they're going to obviously stick with Sam Howell. I think he's steady. That's probably the word you use from is it? Probably steady. I don't think he's you know going to be a, a superstar like uh, like a Jalen Hurts, his counterpart last day. But he seems to be fit the team. But again, rec- it's all about the record. They're I think they're three and five. Is it? I think they're three and five. The Panthers. So if you don't yeah. win games, if you don't win games, you know what I mean. Your upside is it goes down the way. Uh, but like that, look at the Niners with Purdy five and three. They're in a bit of a stinker right minute. That's why I, I look at the you were saying about the Niners probably looking to the future. I think the Niners are in win now mode. They have to win now because obviously taking in you know Chase Young is he's going to be huge spending next year. So when you side him with like with with, uh, with, with Bosa, you're saying this is big money. They're not going to keep next year. I don't think they can afford everybody. You know when you consider there, so they're they're in a win now mode. I don't think the commanders in that at all. Obviously, we trade away their the two best D linemen. Yeah, I I actually thought that Washington's game against the Eagles the other day was probably one of the best of the last four or five years. Um, like when you actually watched, like especially especially in the first half, but it definitely stayed evident through the second half. It's like Terry McLa- Terry McLaurin's first touchdown was a really nice contested grab. John Dotson for his touchdown made acres of space for himself. To set up the field goal at the end of the first half, um, there was obviously the half ended the way it did. Uh, the Eagles get a lovely touchdown. AJ Browns, uh, mm-hmm. the NFL had it put up on YouTube as the catch of the year. Like, I mean, it was that good. But Sam Howell has forty seconds left to work, and he gets them into a sixty-one yard field goal range, and it's nailed by Joey Sly. So I was looking yeah. at them. I was like, No, hold on. If this is the team that I get to watch week in and week out, I'm definitely into Washington. It's just that obviously it hasn't been there all year. So it's like I don't know if. It's probably there was no way that they just said after that being like, look, that's as good as we can get, and we didn't even get the yeah. win. But um, I suppose I, I I was I was thinking two things of it. That was a division game against the Eagles. You can absolutely be certain that the coaches focused on the Eagles throughout the off season, knowing that they're going to see them twice a year. What would you say about a rivalry game? You know, like is it one that they probably wire up for it, the players a bit more. Or do you think that's a bit too hocus pocus and that like you're trying to well, win every single game? I, I, I do think it warrants attention if you ask me. I think look, every every football player is human. And I think it's uh it's it's very similar you see premiership soccer mark where where if, if like you know if Man City play Arsenal or, or say Arsenal play Tottenham, it's it gets heated, you know, that because it's it's driven, I believe even locally in, in GA terms, it's driven by the public. It's driven by the people around you. So if you like if we go play Clear now. There's a there's a big rivalry between Galway and Clear and you know, Galway Chip and, the, and these these and it's driven by the, the people around you. I think it's the same way in the localities of each team. So like if you're a division rival and then Washington are, I believe they they were own three in their division. So I, I'd imagine that there's there's some pressure on them locally to to try and take a division scalp, which they obviously haven't done so. So I I think the players feed you know feed into that and they 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 acknowledge what it's like locally that we want to win this game etc. And uh, they I I think the, the I would call it the urgency level. You know their 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 attentions or everything just goes up a couple of notches. You know, I think specifically, I, I I the reason I think so is because they're human. 
and it's very hard to uh, to kind of regulate yourself the same for every game. You do get up and down depending on who you're playing. And like if you're if you're playing, uh, uh, I suppose what's perceived obviously as a Super Bowl contender, you're going to get up that bit, that bit more because you're classed as underdog. It's just it's just this, it's the it's kind of like if you're an underdog, it's like a small mind mentality. You have to get up and take on the big guys, and uh, they hit them hard. In fairness, they hit them very hard. But again, the Eagles just they showed their class, Mark. They're they're, they're really they are a class side. They're they're a class side. They seem to have balance everywhere, and uh, I think everything went went pretty well for them. Bar, I suppose, the, actually the Jalen Hurst turnover was for the the tush push. Is that what they call it? Very surprising that it actually got stopped. I think it was more of an issue with the Eagles as opposed to the Commanders. But um, they're in a good position, and you know, I think. They're definitely in the top two in NFL terms at the moment, I think. Or would you, what would you be reckoning? For which? For top which? Top two in NFL? Eagles? Uh, like, it, it's difficult. Yes is the short answer. But, like, yes is the short answer. No one's separating. Like, I'm excited now for the next nine weeks because there's no standout team. There's no team yeah. that you absolutely can't get in the in the playoffs. Like, that, like I mean the NFC is obviously the side you want to be on because at least the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Eagles are going to be split up, but it's like any one of them on their day. And it's a great place to be in. I mean, as fans, we kind of, you know, when, when there's a team that's too good, we kind of resign ourselves to, Oh, well, this team is the Super Bowl one. Why, what's, what are we doing this all for? And then a year like this, we're like, Oh, where's the absolute star power? Where's the quality? But it's like, no, I think this is very exciting because like we are, it is hard to, pick the top eight teams in the NFL right now and really separate them because they've all shown their flaws. Like we now have no undefeated teams for a couple of weeks. Like, you know, normally you see like an eight, no record, you know, you know, yeah. everyone in the yeah. AFC is a six and two record. And even to say that the Kansas city chiefs picked up one of those losses against the Denver Broncos, whether it was because Patrick Mahomes is sick or not. I think that no team is truly separating the same for the bills. Like this, the bills are kind of sputtering along and they're kind of going yeah. under the radar. Now Cincinnati is the one that stepped up, but I think we're all going to have the hangover what they were at the beginning of the year. So with Philadelphia, I think that it definitely helps that they're on the side of the draw that they are. You mentioned AJ Brown last week. I absolutely think you're correct in calling him the MVP and non quarterback MVP because watching him the other day, I'm thinking, geez, is if he does awesome. get injured like he like I, yeah. I knew he was playing well but I suppose there's there's two sides of it there's him playing well and, and literally there is two sides to this that I'm gonna say there was what four minutes gone or sorry five minutes into the third quarter yesterday there was a fourth down and three yards to go mm-hmm. it was at the Washington 32 the Eagles are so good that not only do they go for it, they take a deep shot into the end zone, double coverage on AJ Brown, and he draws a pass interference. And I'm like, like he comes down with the ball, but there's, or no, sorry, he just about drops it, otherwise it's a touchdown. I'm like, what number of teams can do that? To have the aggression with the coaching team, but also to have the wide receiver that even if you put two guys on him, we're like, yeah, on fourth and three, we're still going for it. And then they go and back it up on the next drive. They do the same thing. It's now at the 42, Washington's 42. They have a fourth and four and they go for a 20 yard pass to Devontae Smith. I'm like, what other offenses would you trust to do that in the NFL? I think there's a, for me, it's probably just the Eagles. Maybe you can get the 49ers, but that, that's yeah. the difference for them uh, that for me like the Chiefs can't do that the Chiefs right now can't do that because their wide receivers are dropping the ball more than anyone in the NFL Buffalo it like Lamar if that's happening with Lamar it has to be on Lamar's shoulders that he gets off for a run you're not throwing to any of those receivers so I'm like when you ask 
top two that's what philadelphia that's why they're so exciting to me because they can do that and it's like there's yeah. nothing the defense can do to stop it and do you think i look i look at philadelphia and i i always think that like, the head office like that's the benefit of making sound business decisions for your trades so when you go and get a, a player of that caliber and aj brown take him from from the titans uh give up what you have to give up you know to get him it's it's just, it's just such a difference maker you know i the chiefs are always going to be in contention because they obviously have Mahomes. But like if you look at the like the AFC North, North for example, I mean that that's a mad division entirely. They all have winning records, I think. You know, and Cincinnati, I think, are at the bottom of that division on a is it four and three record they have? Four and three, yeah. Bottom yeah. of the division <laughs> makes sense right. a lot for me. Bottom of the division, four and three. So first of all, to come out of your own division is going to be tough enough. You know what I mean? But then you come out of the AFC, like you're hitting you're hitting Miami's going to be very, very strong. Like their their offense, I hate to admit it. I hate to admit it, but their offense is awesome too. In fairness, you know, if they struggle to run the ball. They have it through the air. Like, I was so happy with, with the week two performance, the Patriots versus the Dolphins. Not to jump over to the Dolphins now, but I get to my point, where they held them to like 100, and, they held Hill, Hill and Waddle to like nine, nine catches for like 100 and, I don't know, 10 yards. Whereas we got reefed on Sunday for like 13, 14 catches for 240 yards. You know what I mean? It's just an explosion. It's so hard to... So if, if I'm looking at Philadelphia and I'm saying, right, look what they can do, the only one I would say in the AFC, to be honest, I think the Dolphins have the capability of it. You know, I think they have the capability. But to get out, for, for Philadelphia and Miami to, to meet, I think Philadelphia's road is a lot smoother. Miami's road is going to be very, very hard. Like where I think home field advantage in the playoffs is going to be huge. You said you're excited for the next one week. So am I. I want to see how things turn out. And obviously, you know, as, as the next couple of weeks uh, progress, teams obviously get eliminated. But right now, there's nobody eliminated. Home field advantage is going to be absolutely massive. A bye week is going to be huge, you know, to, to, to for a wild card weekend. It's going to be huge to miss that, you know. So I, it's just watch this space. Really looking forward to it. And, you know, something that is really important with that, and it's why I top this by saying through most of the game, I thought Washington was fantastic to watch. But not that they dipped performance wise per se, but it's more that. Thinking about the Rugby World Cup that we just saw and the teams that made the final, that the Southern Hemisphere teams always make the final. I was listening to Brian O'Driscoll say that those teams just know how to get it done. And I think it's an awful cliche that if a player were to hear that and they're just like, we didn't just lose, you know, like we weren't to do with those teams in the past. But I have to say it was two drops by Terry McLaurin in the fourth quarter and Sam Hell's yeah. interception in the fourth quarter that you don't see those teams like Philadelphia having. And that's why I think that they obviously have gotten to the Super Bowl. They could have won the Super Bowl, except for that, obviously, dodgy call in the fourth quarter, that I do trust this team mentally to keep on going, and they showed it when they go down by a couple of scores on the weekend or whenever it has been throughout the season, and they're able to overcome it in an impressive fashion, in a convincing fashion. It's not like, and we're going to talk about the Jets in a bit, that they kind of get over the line out of nowhere. But I suppose for you... As a player, would you have hated hearing that whole, you know, linking you to a former team? Oh, or do you God. think that we, there is a mentality side to it? We, we went, uh, take, take my experience with Galway specifically, right? So Galway won the Ireland final in 1988, which was the, the year of my birth. And we didn't win it again, obviously, for, for you know, until 2017. But up to that period, let's say, in, throughout the, the whole of my career, up to 17, we were always hearing about the 88 team. You know, and even members of that 88 team would be speaking publicly about us current players not not being able to get it done. You know, and so it is. It's very tough when you're in a current position uh, where you've got people who have done it saying you can't do it. You know what I mean? It's very very tricky. But what I look at, and it's a good point, and I, I like what you said about Driscoll because there's a, there's there's a bit to it, right? 
in in those high intense pressure games, there has to be an element of calmness, you know. And so, like, if if things are chaotic around you, e, e, e on the pitch have to be calm and have to be very very focused on your job. So when the Eagles go down against the Commanders, there's no panic, there's no fighting, there's no uh, heavy discussion or, or, or round on the sideline between their management and players. That's not, it's just a calmness. Stick to what we're doing because they have such confidence in what they're at. Um, that's what I really like about them is that if they go down by two touchdowns, don't worry, don't panic. We ha- we have the capability. We've done it before. Uh, we have the players to do it. So let's just go and do it. And that's why you look at South Africa in Ruby. A good example too you made there is they just have this calmness. Even us as the public watching them thinking they're going to get beaten. The English are going to beat them. You know, the Obex are going to beat them. But there's not. There's just a complete calmness and they just, they do what I call brilliant basics. They do everything really basically really well. So if you look at the Eagles and, and look at them, they're all sound basics. They don't really, they don't drop the ball. They have a solid offensive line. Now the quarterback doesn't really turn over the ball too much, although I know in the last two weeks he's, he's had a couple. But they just do things very, very sound, you know. And it doesn't matter who the opposition are. If they're high-intense opposition or a, a lower perceived opposition, they just keep going at their own pace. And I, I think it's very, they're very, very impressive. And but like like that, it's 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 a difficult position to be in as a player when there's people from the past, you know, uh, I suppose attacking it. That's the only way I can, I can I can say it. And it does add a bit of pressure to you. You you do feel it. I know you'll try to convince yourself, you know, at times or convince your group it doesn't affect you. But if something keeps getting mentioned, it keeps getting put into your ear. It kind of seeps in a bit, right? And then once you break the barrier, though, it's done. It's done. It's relief. So I think, uh, I think it affects everyone, either whether it be a professional or amateur sportsman. Yeah, because look, we're gonna hear a lot of it now as we get down the stretch. And if the Buffalo Bills likely end up in the playoffs, they're gonna hear the exact same stuff. All that you yeah. can't get it done, and those narratives now start to kick off and drive. On. And when you're talking about the teams, like there's a couple of teams that, like the Saints, for example, I don't put massive faith in because you see on the sideline. Alvin Kamara is throwing a strop when things aren't going their way and you don't see those scenes and look it's very easy when you're winning and the Eagles keep on winning but it's like yeah I suppose it's a bit of a juxtaposition because they're winning they don't have the arguments on the sideline and it's like they they, look it's very easy to be an Eagles player right now because they are that good but again like you said we'll move off to this game now but like because they're aggression it's like the players can't ask much more the coaches like the coaches trust and put them into those big positions so uh yeah i I, from from that point of view is definitely that was probably the most interesting of the games we're going to talk about now because it showed a lot from philadelphia but i think you have to be a bit hard done by if you're the washington commanders because they definitely played well but um I suppose we're going to obviously talk about the Patriots Dolphins in a second. I know you mentioned them, but we, uh, you did. I, I don't know how you came across picking this game for us this weekend, but you were paying attention to the uh, Jets and Giants. I suppose the only way I can start off is uh, do you just want to give a rundown of the, your favorite 20 punts from this game? Oh, gee, it was gas. Would you believe, would you believe, Mark, there was more punts in the game than there was points? There was 24 punts and there was 23 points. I thought that was an amazing statistic. Um, hey, there was. There was the more. Uh, there, there's more punts than a lot of things. What was it? Minus minus nine yards for uh, the passing. Uh, the Giants' passing game. Like it was. It actually True. produced some outstanding like statistics. But I suppose like, do you, do you like these rain games? First of all, I look. I like. I like games that are Emerson. You know, me me personally, I like games where two teams go at it, and you know, thirteen teams grand. But I like the bit of drama where where every time you get on the field as an offense, like it's it's going to be a. An ordeal trying to get points, you know. Granted, the weather, the weather is a tough one. I, I just, I, I, I watched the game specifically because they're obviously a close division rival. Um, but then I was just looking at the situation, at uh, you know, obviously the Zach Wilson 
they go four and out, let's say, in, in, in the, their second last drive, and people start walking out of the stadium. So they start walking out, or Jets fans start actually walking out. And I'm thinking to myself, they're only three points down. What is going on? Like, why are people walking out? You know, it's a terrible see as a player. And next thing you know, Graham Gano misses the field goal. And like, geez, this game is crazy. And Zach Wilson's got 24 seconds. No, he's not going to do it. He has no timeouts. He can't get this done. And next thing, bang, bang. Two 24-yard pass, 29-yard pass. And like, Jesus, spiked the ball at one second left. I said, this is awesome. This is great stuff. And then obviously, uh, Zerline nails the field goal. And then the Giants make an absolute holy shame of, of their first drive in, in overtime. And then, he, and then they win the ball. I, I, I just thought it was, you know, it was an amazing... Okay, statistics, you're, you're, you're fully correct. There were some amazing statistics of it. Um, it wasn't the. It was. It was a game for the purists, as I, as I say as well. But it was a really good arm wrestle, and it, it it provided a lot of kind of flash incidents. You know what I mean? Like cra- crazy kind of kind of points, like twenty four seconds. Zach Wilson, and I think I, I saw another statistic then of his rookie class. Zach Wilson's. He has the most fourth quarter comebacks. I think he's got six to, to turn into wins. So like he's he's in a rookie class. If I'm if I'm mistaken, now correct me. With, no, uh, he he also leads this year the most comebacks, four quarter comebacks. Now I think it's when you see Zach Wilson has three fourth quarter comebacks this year, you know that that's one of those stats. It just it it drives me crazy because you know these quote unquote quarterback wins as a stat. Like it is it is nuts. But you're right in what you're saying. It's like situation has led to Zach Wilson being like as clutch as they come apparently. Yeah, but like Belichick would always talk about situation football. But when you put yourself into a situation where you have to get out of it, you know. And if, if that's a two-minute drill, Grant, within, you have to understand, 24 seconds left with no timeouts. Like, I don't know, is that, am I am I giving too much credit to the Jets or am I not giving enough, I suppose, uh, am I not attacking the Giants enough? But like, for him to, to go and do it, and then his rookie, his rookie uh, class, I think, is Trevor Lawrence and there's you know, other lads, I think, like big quarterbacks. So for him, and he gets a lot of flack, and I think that New York as a whole, whether the Giants or Jets, it's a very, very pressurised you know, area to, or teams to play for, especially New York. So, and then well, all that happened with Rodgers, obviously with the Achilles injury, which looks like he's on course to come back next week, the way he's going, you know, he's, he's in an awesome recovery mode. Like, he put awful pressure on Zach Wilson and then publicly he gets slated left, right and centre. But I think, that, I think that there was a turning point for that man was the Chiefs game when uh, I thought they should have won the blatant bad, bad referee calls and he just seems to be, to be grown. Like, like, obviously he's not setting the world alight. He's not throwing for 400 yards a day. Like, like like two is or, or hurts are, but he's he's just he got the job done. That's what it's about. And the NFL is about is about getting those W's. And like he's he got one he got one in the most unlikely circumstances last week. So credit to him. Is I'm glad I'm gonna to touch on that. You mentioned his quarterback class so I'll run down through it. It's um Trey Lance was after him, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, called Travis Calamond. So there certainly is a lack of talent, you could say. Yeah. Um, but the Trevor Lawrence one makes sense because now the Jags are leading from the front, so there's no opportunity for them to have the comeback wins. And yeah. in the past, they weren't able to do that. So again, yeah. it goes to show it's a bit of a padded stat. But I'm glad that you're able to say, because it was something I was going to ask you, um, what you think of Zach Wilson, basically, because I think he's shown massive signs of growth. Well, maybe not massive, but certainly he's shown signs of growth. The first drive, he is a fumble on it. And yeah. probably people are going to say straight away, that's on Zach Wilson. It's not. Mikai Becton, the left tackle, who, you know, it's, it's open. Yeah. It, it, right. He just, it looks like he's the one that isn't at the pace of the game yet. Because obviously this is like straight off the bat. This is straight into it. But Kayvon Thibodeau is at the pace of the game and literally just swats him away. 
gets to Zach Wilson, who shouldn't be expecting that pressure so easily to be given up by his left tackle. So, yeah. um, and then it's like, I have a stat there. He, um, Zach Wilson on the day was 17 and 36. Plenty of people will say, oh yeah, that's a, an awful completion percentage. But it's like, when you actually watch it, they, like a lot of those weren't bad, they, but they weren't bad decisions. Whatever about there, there was some drops, but they were actually good, like throwaways essentially. Like yeah. when he, he feels pressure some of the time, off his back foot, he'd be just throwing it and getting it into the area of a receiver, so he's not done for um, intentional grounding. So it's like, do you know what? He does seem a bit better. What I didn't like from the other day is you wouldn't really trust him to pick up yards if he had to, like you know, Jalen Hurts or something like that, because. Yeah. He's very easy to stop when he does start running. Now, he did pick a few good runs there, and especially down the end of the game, when you're talking about the drive to uh, get him the points, he was able to do that. Um, I I had one there written down somewhere. But anyway, he's he's not great at breaking tackles, but he is good sometimes at choosing running lanes. But something I'm desperate to talk about, because they're within your division, and I think this is a glaring hole for the New York Jets, I think they're overthinking it on offense, and Nathaniel Hackett specifically, We've just talked about this is a desperately wet game and mm-hmm. it's the conditions that it should be old school football. The, um, the New York Giants ran it a ridiculous amount of times. I have it somewhere there. 36 times versus in total, in total, the Jets ran it 22 times. And that includes, I think, four quarterback scrambles. It includes a couple of gimmick players. When you talk about their actual lead backs, it was 16 carries combined between Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, and Michael Carter. And I'm like, what are you doing on this day to not be running the ball? Why yeah. does Dalvin Cook only have 41 carries this year for 114 yards? You know, it's like, that's where I'm thinking, Nathaniel Hackett. If you're an AFC East fan, you're thinking that it's Nathaniel Hackett and the coaching staff need to be able to realize. And the funny thing is, Brian Dable talked about after the game. He said, look, he acknowledged that passing stat from um, the backup uh, quarterback that the Giants had in when Terrell Taylor went out, uh, Tommy yeah. DeVito, that he was 2 of 7 for minus one yard. And he said, look, it was a wet day. It's old school football. That's what it was. How don't the Jets pick up on that? Um, that's, a, that's a great question. Very hard for me to answer. Um, I, I, I think I, w- I would always be in favor, Mark, of getting the ball into your skill players. You know, so like Brees Hall for me is is a, a very very skilled player. Dalvin Cook is a skilled player. So it just it it makes no sense or logic. And then when you combine it in with the actual conditions, you say where the likelihood of turning over the ball or not reaching your target throwers is increases exponentially. You know, run the ball. That's what makes perfect sense. So when you ask me why, I'm like I have I haven't got the answer. I don't know. I don't know why. Especially <laughs> when you've got the clientele that they have, this makes no sense. If you'd have, if you had an awful offensive line, you know, an awful offensive line that could couldn't physically run the ball, you'd say. All right, okay. If you'd have terrible running back or a terrible back core, fair enough. But you've got good running backs. The offensive line is is playing solid at the moment, you know, solid ish, you could say. So you're saying it really deserves to run the ball. I can't understand it. And then you mix all the drops. Like you, you, you said about the, the completion percentage there, so Wilson had. And I, I agree, it, it it kind of if you didn't watch the game, you'd say to yourself, Oh god, he's he's overthrown, underthrown, etc. But there was like was there four drops in the game? All these receivers? Mm, I think it was four. something like that. Like that's and these these those four drops would have gained massive yardage for them. So I can see what maybe Salah is putting the putting the ball in his hands and saying just just go do it. Like and because when you when you look at the evidence and look at the I, I, I refer back to twenty four seconds no time else he's capable of doing this if he gets if he gets mid level protection and gets mid level time 
he's capable of doing it. I think his pocket presence has, has actually improved dramatically since last year. Whereas last year he was getting sacked left, right and centre because he was nearly afraid to step up in the pocket and take contact. It looks like now he's doing it. He's able to take a step up and just get, release the ball, get it thrown before contact arrives. And teams, that's a, that's a huge sign of growth, if you ask me. And I think, like, obviously Aaron Rodgers is there when he comes back. Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing. It's as simple as that. You know what I mean? So what does Zach Wilson do? I, I, I genuinely don't know. Like, <laughs> so he, he, he's proven he can be an NFL caliber starter. But does he sit behind Rodgers for another year? Jesus, I, I'm not sure. Like, is, is Rodgers going to get re-signed with the Jets? There's so much to, at play in, in that organization with, with, with Zach Wilson. I'm like, geez, I was I was thinking in my mind, like, you know, obviously uh, Kirk Cousins has gone down with the Achilles injury. They've traded for uh, one of your guys, uh, Josh Dobbs. So I was, I was thinking, God, is there ever a situation whereby, you know, the Jets release Zach Wilson to the, to the, the Vikings? Because he's like a guy that would, would, would go well in the Vikings offense. You know what I mean? So it's hard for me to imagine what's going to happen to that guy. Um... You know, if I was him, I'd be staying there. You know what I mean? Because you're still on a rookie deal, let's say. You're still on a rookie deal. So you're not, not going to go away for, for big money. You're not in the big money calibre yet. See, this year, play really well. Sit behind Rodgers and then make make your breakaway, I think. But, um, yeah, a lot to watch in the Jets. But, uh, as I said, a game for the Pures. Can't understand where they run the ball. <laughs> Do you know what, though, when you say it, it's Dalvin Cook. Where would you want to be when you're talking about them in the side of Vikings? Would you rather be in New York where he's not going to look in or would you rather be still with the Minnesota Vikings? Because like ultimately, he was the one that wanted out of there, and he didn't get the paycheck that made any sense. It was like the New York Jets are going to ha- cling on in the playoff race just as much as the Minnesota Vikings are going to cling on in the NFC. Yeah. And it's like it's it would I suppose he surely would have wanted to be on the field, and it goes to show it was the wrong decision. And I think obviously that's dangerous now for the running back market that guys would be like, well, I can't force my way out of the team because I could end up in a really poor situation for me. Like, I, I think, uh, I look at some professional players and I always ask the question, what's your motive? So it's very simple. You've got nearly a clear device in, in players. Your motive is either money or winning. You know what I mean? That's why you look at the likes of Travis Kelsey, for example, right? He's he's obviously not the, the highest paid tight end. He should be the highest paid tight end, but he's not. He's staying there because of Mahomes' contract and he's going to, he's winning. You know, it's the same way of Brady in, in New England. Brady, in fairness to him, like, he could have, Easily garnered the most money in the at the time, but he would he dropped his salary intake to, to have as, as quote unquote weapons around him. So I'm looking at Dalvin Cook and saying to myself, God, okay, you got a paycheck, but what are you chasing really? Like you're you're only you're in a job really, but you're not really chasing you know wins. You know what I mean? So I would always be in, in my mind anyway, coming from an amateur perspective, is chase the win. You know, go win, 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 win as much as you can. But for professional players, and it's very interesting. I heard uh, a basketball player, um, his name. Schumer, Schumer, he played for the Cleveland. And they asked him the question, would you rather 30 million or five rings? He started laughing and goes, 30 million. <laughs> like, so he told, I, I, in my mind, I'm like, five rings? Five rings is legacy, you know? So I'm like, geez, that, that's, that's, a, that's a strange one. So when you put yourself into the mindset of a professional player, obviously their window for earning is, is, is limited. If you're a running back, your window is even smaller. Is the average uh, life, life, lifespan of a running back like four or five years in the NFL, something like that? Yeah, your, no, window, it's... your window to get a payday is is very very narrow unless you're unless you're Christian McCaffrey obviously who's a supreme player or Derek Henry these kind of guys so yeah um, no I'm I'm win first in second <laughs> that's coming from an amateur yeah. sportsman <laughs> now he he probably did see he was the one that got the short end of both sticks because he 
thought he'd get paid more, didn't. And then he obviously went to New York where he thought the wins. But it's just the involvement for me. It's just he must be pulling his hair out. But it's like, look, at the end of the day, you forced your way out and you signed with that team knowing that Brees Hall was there. The first thing that I did when he signed was I drafted Dalvin Cook as an undrafted free agent on my fantasy team. And it's like I knew you had to get rid of him straight away because this was always likely to happen. Um, he was probably hoping to get traded at the trade deadline. It didn't happen, of course. Why would it happen? Everyone had their bite of the apple if they wished in free agency and no one went for him that's how he ended up with the Jets but uh, before we move off this game I will give a turf debate update we talked about it I feel like it was back in week three in this game it was outrageous uh quarterback obviously Terod Taylor went out with a rave injury that was off the sack that's whatever but the tight end Darren Wallen went out with a hamstring the Jets also defensive lineman Al Woods to an ankle center Connor McGovern to a knee and then their fill-in center and their I think he's a right guard usually was Shoyu's Schwetzer to a calf. Four guys in this game went out with a lower body or slash a leg injury, which I was like looking at that. I was like, this is outrageous. You obviously get that poor weather and these guys are dropping. So I said, uh, I must circle back on that and bring it up. But we will move on to the... You know what's a crazy fact, Mark? Just, just, uh, just to tell you, um, I read this, uh, it was actually in last year. There was an article um, done by a guy called Evan Lazar, who would be a Patriots beat reporter, where he said there's 53 guys that should be on... Um, Obviously, the the main squad of the NFL, right? So he said there's over, he said there's over 1,600 professional players, you know, that are in the NFL, right? And of the 1,600, an average each year of 150 get injured. That's huge amount of players. You know what I mean? An average of 150 players get injured. You know, with, not 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 a strain or actually get injured, injured. You know what I mean? With either tears, ACLs, knees, all that kind of jazz. So yeah, it's a it's a high intense sport and. You, I looked at Travis Kelsey and Jason uh, Kelsey's podcast recently, where they, they were just obviously were talking about the Ruby World Cup, and they were saying, "Man, the Ruby guys are tough." He said, "They're, you know, they're always bleeding and they're all, <laughs> whatever they are." <laughs> he said, "He said, but like, would you rather get punched ten times, which is a Ruby person, or would you rather get hit by a sedan?" He said, "Which is the NFL. That's what that's what it's like." He said that the, the impact and the force that these players generate with the obviously with the pads on the helmets on is the equivalent of a car crash. So the, the, the sport, it's a cool, it's a cool game. We love it. We love. I love the blue bats, but uh, it's a, it's a cool, tough game. Because yeah, then on the other side, it's Kirk Cousins. If he was at home in Minnesota and he did his ankle on the weekend, we'd all be pointed to the turf. But that was up in Green Bay. Green Bay has grass, or they have that yeah. hybrid, I suppose. Yeah, synthetic. Could, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, I suppose yeah, it's the whole. Um, obviously, people are dropping like flies. Um, one guy that was coming back from an injury had a big play in the Pat's Pat's Dolphins game. Oh. Um. Yeah, look, give us right yeah, off the top. Which, what, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you, you make of the game? Um, I suppose I, I'm going to talk about that play in particular because I think it, um, yeah, it's it's something we need to talk about. What, what what were your thoughts in this game? Obviously, you went in with a tinge of optimism, but I did. I went in with exactly a tinge of optimism. Now, I, 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 but I, I also had realism also in the sense that I knew that it's very, very, very unlikely we're going to come away with a victory. Got off to a good start. I will say there's a couple of referee decisions caused that I was like, this is wrong. When we got called for a pass interference and say defense pass interference in the end zone, he didn't touch it. It's like that let that led to a touchdown, you know? Like, geez, but the the it was a it was an okay game. It was competitive for three quarters. It was not, it wasn't competitive for the fourth quarter. Um I have to say that when Mac Jones turned over the ball, I think he got baited into it. I think it was it was excellent corner play, if you ask me. I think Ramsey drops off just enough. And then gets Max to release the ball, goes for it. I, I saw. Now, the result of that play was, I think the result of that ended up as being 
red zone for Patriots, down to red zone for Dolphins and a field goal. The, the defense performed pretty pretty okay. Um, it's just that it's contrasting styles. I think in the sense that it's just it's it's personnel. I I, I always say it about about our own team is that if you've got skilled personnel that aren't game changers or difference makers, it's that you're going to struggle against the big teams because Mac Jones cannot get more than thirty points if if the pressure is put on him. Do you know what I mean? So like if if he he hasn't won a game yet where the opposition has scored thirty points, you know what I mean? So it's like there's this pressure on him. I just, and then Kendrick Bourne is is gone down on ACL. That's an awful loss. You know what I mean? So now we're 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 looking at Devante Parker, who has no production. Mario Douglas, who seems to be and, and Thornton are kind of getting ingrained into the system and say our tight ends are. I thought we'd, we'd have an awful lot more out of him and Gazeki this year. We're not. It's not producing. Then contrast. Look at look at Hill and Waddle. Jeez, they're awesome. Like they're just awesome. And what when you have got when you've got two of them in the same system. So look at Waddle's touchdown where the Patriots blew coverage entirely. That was because of Hill. When, when they start the play action and Hill moves, you know what I mean? The, safe, the, 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 the free safety in the corner go with him and complete blown coverage waters open up. So when you've got two guys that you can, you can tackle, your, your offense, I think, has, has limit, limitless um, potential. So they're, they're, they're very, very strong. I think they've, in fairness, Washington Dolphins now up close and look, everyone's getting beaten. Everyone gets, gets lost here there. Washington Dolphins up close. Um, they're, they're easily a contender. They're, they're top three, four teams easily. And I, I hate to say it because I don't like the Dolphins. <laughs> I don't like them But yeah, they, they seem to be, you know, they seem to be in a good position, I'm afraid. But for my own guys, I think we've got two winnable games. That's why I'm secretly delighted that the commanders didn't uh, didn't keep the two guys, um, obviously Sweat, Sweat and Young, for, for next week's game. So I'm looking at it and, and saying that I don't think the landscape is going to change much further than what it is at the minute. So Miami is at the top of the division. I think that's going to be, be, be maintained. And I think Patriots at the bottom. That's going to be maintained too, I think, I'm afraid. I just have to, I'm relying on the fact that when we're losing the, the personnel, we're losing to the injuries, we're losing them too. You know, like obviously with Judon, Gonzalez, Bourne, they would be two of our best defensive players and our best offensive weapon. You're like, how are we going to win games against big teams? You know, so the future is bleak. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's outrageous with the injuries. You're getting me excited, though. Um, I don't have that disdain for the Dolphins. We're so lucky. Follow along with Pro Football Ireland over the weekend. We'll be in Frankfurt at that Kansas City Chiefs Miami Dolphins game. Can't wait to see it. But you're like, you're scratching on something there that I think is super interesting. With you're saying, well, Mac Jones doesn't have these weapons. You look at the other side and you see Tua does. Tua once upon a time didn't, and Tua once upon a time was being talked about that he could get benched, released, traded, whatever. It, that, and that's as recent as 18 months ago. Yeah, and it does go time. to show, and obviously Mike McDaniels is there now too since last year, but doesn't it go to show, like, they're so powerful and they look so strong. Like, I kind of wanted to touch on it in a different point, but I'll circle back straight away to it. But Jaden Jaden Waddle, all right, I have to. I, I'll, I'll tell the abbreviated way. It annoyed me when Mac Jones was intercepted at the end of the half. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that it was baited. I didn't see it like that. I kind of maybe was swayed by the commentator groaning the way he did i presume the commentator was in the building i was like how did you throw that as the ball comes out the commentator is groaning like oh you cannot throw that it's picked off so easy and you're right it went from the patriots likely having it in the red zone and ending a strong half it would have gone i think the score at the time was 14 7. it looked like it was definitely going to be 14 10 a half time the ball goes the other way and miami ultimately gets a field goal out of it but on the drive there's a catch by Jalen Waddle where he kind of falls 
gets up like super fast like the fast switch out of him is like he and he's kind of like he jumps and grabs a ball i'm like that is so athletic and i'm like my or two is lucky because in a different offense the receiver's on the ground that ball probably gets intercepted and it's like oh why is why are you thrown to a guy that's on the ground that's after slipping here so it's like does that give you hope that mac jones just and again you can't see him now with Kendrick Bourne, his best receiver. You're going to yeah. be like, again, like this, this like depleted offense. It's like he can't win because, because sorry, I want to let you make the point, but I was going to say because the offense again this week was those short snappy passes and the running backs having great vision. And it was like the offense is working right now. It mightn't be extremely flashy, but it is working. And it's like, finally, we're seeing Mac Jones operate well. I want him to operate well enough through a few weeks that I can suspect that defensive coordinators have caught up to what they're doing. But it's like, I'm seeing good signs out of him. But then it's like, again, he is another weapon taken away. Yeah, weapons taken away. Um, you, you ask, this is, this is a tough one for me because I always, I would have huge faith in Bill Belichick and his decisions over the course of the years. Um, the Jacoby Meyer situation, I have to go back to that, I'm afraid, and say that just didn't sound logical to me and then bring in Juju. It, just, it made no sense to me. So when you ask me, have you have you faith? Have you got can we get can we see like a two a situation whereby when he gets a couple of weapons that he will he will thrive? I don't trust the Patriots at the moment to get the weapons for him. You know, like the Dolphins made a very sound decision in drafting model, and then they, they made a, a, a blockbuster or what you call a signing in Hill. And I, I said it before. You can see, just like the Eagles and Asia Brown, it's a difference maker. This is a difference maker. You know, you have every team would have sound fundamentals. They'll have the same fitness, strength, you know, tactical, all that. But then when you add in difference makers, like 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 Hill and Waddle, sure, that that separates you from the pack. And Patriots do not have any difference maker. And we're after losing our, I suppose, I'll say this in the word of commas, our best difference maker in Kendrick Bourne. So it's hard for me to see how our offense is going to get moving again. Rather, the small. You know, five yard passes, running back passes, screen passes. Like we've no deep shot now. That's the <laughs> which is the trouble. And um, so it's it's kind of it's it's fluttering. And you were a hundred percent correct. Tua was actually, I think he was even there was consideration for trade at one at one stage. You know, when he was Raheem, Ryan Fitzpatrick was there and he was keeping him out of the team. You know what I mean? It was kind of what wasn't wasn't am I right? Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was there when, when yeah, yeah, was yeah, 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 you're dead right. But there was talks of him going, I think Houston were going to go in and, and, and get him a trade at one stage. And then when Brady hit free agency as well, they were going to try and sign Brady, switch base with him. So it seemed like the faith wasn't there. But that has all turned, turned around now. And like he is, he is, he's his college form. Because in fairness to him, in Alabama, he was a stud. <laughs> let's, let's give him that before he had hip injury. And it seems like he's hit stud form again. His pocket presence, he's deep thrown. I hate to say it, excellent. <laughs> and if you're going to witness it now yourself at the weekend, like, which is an exciting prospect too. But um, they just have the weapons, and it's it's. I, I'm always saying about the NFL: if you've got the difference maker, you can separate yourself from the pack. When Kansas had Hill, you know, and 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 mixes with with, with Mahomes, my God, you anything was possible in that offense. Now Kansas look actually human. They look they look like they're, they're fallible at the moment. Um, so that's why I think Miami. They I I do think it'll be. I'm I'm, I'm making a way too early prediction here, Mark. Now <laughs> I'm going to say Miami, Cincinnati, AFC Championship. Game. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I, I, I like the pick. I, yeah, I I like the pick. I I feel like that's what I've been leaning on. We're doing an exercise for um tomorrow's podcast, 
And um, I was kind of thinking, yeah, who would I put in the ASC Championship game? Because I cannot, I cannot, after last year, go against Kansas City. I think I just, like, automatically put them in. But who I want there and who I believe in, because Baltimore is too, like, the receivers are, it's too touch and go with the receivers. Like I don't have faith in the receivers. I have faith in Lamar. Yep. Um, so I love what Miami is doing. Now, there, there was, and I think I'm going to save it. I won't go into it with you now because we're going to get out of here soon. But, like, I do think there was some signs of weakness from Miami that they kind of need to clear up. Like, Where? Uh, there was a few things. Like, Tua's interception was either a busted route from Tyreek Hill or it was inexcusable from Tua. And, like, Kyle Duggar just, like, steps up and picks it off. Like one of them isn't on the same page um and there's another player who I, I i forget who the player was but he looks like he pulls up and two has thrown the ball and it was the exact same mistake that like it should have been intercepted the closest guy was like a patriots player it probably was Duggar again was probably five yards back otherwise he intercepts it it's kind of like i know if it's a lapse in concentration or if they just need to nail down the offense a bit more mm-hmm. but i feel like they just need to fine-tune it a bit more. Like, I, I, I think that's all is that it's fine-tuning um, because there was opportunities there for New England, but I would say that New England, what worried me, and if you're talking about mistakes, I don't know if this is Miami's mistake so much as, like, the zone coverage that they were playing against Miami just did not work. Like, mm-hmm. like they, they, Bill Belichick is too smart for that, but he's obviously, like, he's playing that defense in a certain way because he he's like, well, our... DBs can't match up with these guys. We're going to get burned. But like for the for the final Miami touchdown within two minutes, it's like Jaden Waddle has no one around him because they don't even have they don't even have a safety back. Like they're yeah. all playing. Like I don't know. Like that has to be a plus of coverage because the defense makes absolutely no sense. Because two, they look like linebackers. Obviously, they were the safeties that pushed up. But like they're side by side to the kind of to two was right looking down at them and they kind of both twist in the same way that I'm like you guys have no awareness that you're like right on top of one another and Jalen Wall just kind of walks it in so it's like if they were playing a defense but again that's the whole thing is like how many defenses can match up with Miami not a whole lot but I did expect more from Bill Belichick in particular to be playing like this weak zone coverage that I thought that was um I, I thought yeah that was annoying but also yeah there's signs for that that it could have been better from Miami mm-hmm. yeah good point but yeah, I suppose um, one other thing that I did want to touch on was um, with Mac Jones, I was praising him there. I will say that um, there was a time in the third quarter after they got the fumble. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, yeah, the th- that they got the fumble. And he, his vision was one thing. There was one drive that uh, kind of worried me. They didn't take advantage. They ended up kicking a field goal after getting that fumble. And it's Ramondre Stevenson runs off on a wheel route to the left, which is fine, except for when the play doesn't develop because the DBs on Miami pick up on it straight away. Mac Jones throws at the ground. There's three men the other side of the field. He has to know that there's three on the far side of the field and throw it that way. There's no point like throwing it to the ground just because Ramon Stevenson hasn't um, opened up. So uh, I suppose after praising Mac Jones the way that I did, I'll say that. But the the biggest weakness from the game was just the way the defense was called. It's like what you're doing in zone coverage. Maybe it's just masking like all those injuries. I suppose that's the only thing that you can put it down to. But I thought you must have been frustrated by that. Very frustrated, but I, I also have an understanding too that like we are down critically clientele. Like we're still, we're, we're still we've lost Judon obviously. So so our 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 QB pressure rate has dropped a bit. Um, I think 
you know, obviously with Corti retiring, losing Gonzalez, you're saying to yourself, we're after losing major, major clientele. And I just, I'm resigning myself to the fact that with the injuries, we just don't have the personnel market. We just don't have the personnel. So when when we play, we all, it was always happening to we played Kansas back in the day when Hill was there. It was always going to be an uncovered situation with double teaming on Hill because he's so explosive. And, I, and it goes back to my earlier point a while ago, when I'm saying when you've got two of, uh, I would say, number one receivers in Waddle and Hill together, they're the options you can actually create. They're the, they're the situations you can create and you can, you know, you can really attack teams by utilizing your own strength, which is having two unreal quality players. So I, I, the system, I was watching in real time, <clears throat> very frustrating, the Waddle. I watched that Waddle touchdown 10 times trying to figure out how this actually materialized. And I, I fully agree with you. It was just uh, a screw up by, by the DBs. That's all it was. It was just a complete screw up. I think either a communication issue, a play call issue or confusion, you know what I mean? But it was just it was it was the wrong it was the wrong play for them, and unfortunately we suffered. And when you play the big teams like Miami, you know that's what they're going to do to you. Now I'm hope I'm as I said, I'm wishful trying trying to go with a glass half full type attitude here. I'm I'm wishful that we get two wins. I think it's there was an expectancy for us to get beaten last Sunday. Now I'm kind of expecting us to win the next two weeks. So if if that doesn't happen, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> well, you know we. Well, start to wrap up there. I'm glad because it's something that's going to ask you where this is the faith because uh, they have Washington up next. Then the Colts were going to be there in Germany for that one. Then they have the Giants. I mean, you have to get two out of three wins there, surely, especially like you're saying, all the talent three. that is left now. Yeah. Now again, so. that that well, that Washington offense, like we said at the top, is actually good. So it's mm-hmm. like, but again, if you're if you're right, like. It's such a it, they're 50 50 calls, certainly. And then you do have the Chargers, like, they, they, not that it eases off, but when you're considering that they just went through, um, yeah, yeah the Bills and the Dolphins, like, there's something to it there. Uh, towards the end of the year, you have the Broncos as well. So, um, yeah, doing yourself out of good draft positioning, uh, is what you're hoping for by the sense of, the sense of it. I, I think, I think we're actually going to end up the season six and 11. Six and 11, five, <sighs> so that's, that's where I see us going, unfortunately. Yeah, you'd hope for Bill Belichick's sake one more, one or two more wins because that's going to be um, more pressure. But you know, we'll leave it for another day. We will be yeah. we'll be talking about um, obviously the Patriots next week because they're going to Germany again. Like I said, we're going to be Pro Football Ireland in Germany for the Dolphins Chiefs game. So follow us along for that. Um, James, it's been fun doing this. It's uh, always fun getting your thoughts on it. And uh, I don't know how we made three. Um, three quite boring games on paper well no one of them was good but certainly two boring games uh, we took a lot from it so uh, yeah I hope everyone listened or enjoyed listening along uh, for James I've been Mark Hogan uh, Michael will be back off the boy next week so uh, we'll talk to you then thanks guys see you